Hello, and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diokis to Yazdegar III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. So hello, everybody, and welcome to our second tenth episode, which is also normally called a twentieth episode. Uh, why did you go for that? <laughs> it's a milestone somehow, I guess. Two know, times ten. Whoa. Yeah. But the episode is, Cyril, do you know whose episode this is? Uh, um, 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 whoever succeeded Philip Aradeus, right? It's a baby. It's Alexander's oh, yeah. baby child. Oh yeah, Alexander the Fourth. Wait, because you told me that for some reason he would be chosen as an heir, and I am very skeptical because how long did this baby last? It is a baby, so who's actually ruling, and are they keeping him at all? Because we left a very unstable time where everyone was trying to get to the throne. Yes, and we were halfway through our second civil war in five years. Yeah, and even Philip's uh, <laughs> legitimacy wasn't great, since, you know, everyone was revolting yeah. against him. So I uh, do not have high hopes for Alexander IV. Well, we'll get to find out if he lives up to his illustrious father and very illustrious grandfather. See how he does. Also, because otherwise, if he's gone, then the whole Argiad dynasty is gone forever. So we want to hold that in order, at least. Well, you know, we as, like, you and me, or, like, you know, the family. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. So we'll recap last episode as mm-hmm. it comes up, because Alexander was alive through all of it, so we can pretty much get through it. Oh, yeah. So, let's begin our story. To start with, let's go before Alexander's birth. Because we need to have a look at who his mom is, which is Roxana. Oh yes, Roxanne. Love her. Because Roxana was born somewhere in uh, Sogdiana, Mm -hmm. off in the far north and east of the Achaemenid Empire. Mm -hmm. Remember that, the good old days? Yes, ah, fun. (laughs) And she was probably born sometime in 343 BC, which would make her about 16 years old when she meets Alexander the Great, Okay. Coming to burn and pillage her homeland. Yay. That's Hooray. a great way to meet your future husband. <laughs> yes, definitely. That is the voice of a generation of Iranians. Uh-huh. But yeah. So this is the period when Alexander finally decided that maybe exterminating all of your enemies isn't the solution. We it, should maybe it, try to make friends. Maybe, like, if the goal is to have an empire, you should have an empire left when you're done. Fair. So he decides, okay, even though he defeated Roxana's father, who was a local lord of the area of Sogdiana, mm-hmm. it would be good politically to marry Roxana so that, well, he can be connected to the territory, he can get some support among the local nobles who see that, yes, he's not the scary, murderous barbarian who destroys everything, he's the scary, murderous barbarian who can also be your friend. Oh, excellent. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there we go. Oh, nice. So, according to certain sources, Alexander fell in love at first sight, seeing this beautiful 16-year-old girl. Sure. According to other sources, he did ignored her for the next four years, which, honestly, fair enough for her. Probably, she was probably happier about that yep. than otherwise. So, Alexander heads off to India, does his whole raid and conquest and pillage, tries to get to the underworld, is stopped, is forced back. 
Yeah. And then finally he arrives back into his own empire. With very tired soldiers who are very done with his shenanigans. Yes. Everybody is done with Alexander by this point. <laughs> but now Alexander returns back to the heart of the empire and he goes to Babylon. And as we mentioned before, mass marriages, 92 marriages of important Macedonians with important Iranian princesses. And Alexander himself gets two new wives. Yay. One of which is called Statyra, who is the daughter of Darius III. And yes. another one is called Parasatis, who is the daughter of Artaxerxes III. Ah, uh, I see. This is Parasatis II, not Parasatis the Great, as I'm going to call the other one. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Perfect, perfect yeah. name. I, yes. As we mentioned during Alexander's episode, during this whole period, no children, no reports of pregnancies of Roxana or any of the other wives. Mm -hmm. Then one faithful day of uh, 324 BC, Hephaestion gets sick, and dies. Oh, Hephaestion, my beloved. Our poor boy. Yeah. One month later, Roxana's pregnant. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so, everything is going well. You know, Roxana's, presumably, we only hear that she was the only wife of Alexander that was pregnant, so she's looking forward to raising a young prince together with her all-powerful husband. Hooray, she's going to be queen of the world. This is going to be a great time for everyone. Uh-huh. And then Alexander dies suddenly. Whoops. Well, or goes into a coma, you know. I mean, he didn't live long past that, whichever version we <laughs> ascribe to. True. I'm still not over that. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was too intense. Now, to reassure you, it might not be true. It might just be that he didn't decompose. Uh, uh, Things happen. It might be that people were exaggerating the facts later on. I, 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 okay, just let's move on. Let's move on. Follow I don't want to get... Of mind. Uh. But anyway, Alexander the Great is dead and Roxana is only six months pregnant. The child is not born yet. So yep. what happens? You can't make a ruler out of half a person. We will make one in about... 500 years, I think, but oh. that's for another, oh, another time. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, there's a great council of Babylon. Everybody tries to decide what to do with the empire. And after almost killing each other just outside Babylon, just mm -hmm. as soon as Alexander died, everybody decides, okay, you know what? Philip Aridaeus is going to be king for now. And if Roxana's child is a boy, then he will be co-king with Philip. Mm -hmm. If it's a girl, well, then it's just Philip. And Perdiccas is going to be regent. Good. Yeah, good. We agreed. Excellent. Yes. So time passes, and after three months, out pops a beautiful baby boy. Roxana decides to call him Alexander so that everybody is going to know that, oh yes, this boy is the true son of Alexander. He's the true successor. Indeed. He is the most legitimate of all the legitimate people. Like, all goes back to Sargon the Great. <laughs> Again, I am the legitimate king. Yes. Trust me. But in the meantime, while she is very pregnant, Roxana does not stand idle because she decides that Alexander's other wives are a serious threat to her legitimacy and oh, the legitimacy what? of her child. I mean, are they even pregnant, though? Non no, th but, you know, it would be easy for them to just try and get pregnant with whoever and then just claim it's Alexander's son because... At this point? I mean, if, it's, if a child is born... 
like nine and a half months after. Okay, Could I mean, be. but then you they, know. you know, half a month, and he wasn't dead when you know. Oh, you know, it might just be a long pregnancy, or maybe they didn't keep count too carefully, and they're like, oh yeah, he was born sometime in December, and uh, <laughs> that's when it was. <laughs> Okay, okay. So if it's close enough, it could we'll still pretend. be a threat. We will pretend. So Roxana decides to murder Satyra and Parasatis to ensure that uh, no challenges whatsoever. Dear. Also, they were the daughters of the previous Achaemenid kings. You don't want to give anybody any extra legitimacy in case. Yeah. Those were more legitimate than her. I mean, at least yeah, she's... Roxana is just like a country noble. Yeah. You know, she isn't the daughter of the king of kings and descendant from a long line of king yeah. of kings. She's just the latest person and she was lucky that... She, I mean, lucky quote unquote. Yeah. We'll see, but... No, she, she has, <laughs> you know... She's the one who She's made strategizing it. to be able to keep power. So let's see how that goes. For yeah, her. definitely. So as we saw, baby Alexander is born, crowned as king at the tender age of newborn. <laughs> the tender age of zero. You know how meritocracy works, that thing. Uh-huh. And we don't really have many details of what he's doing in this time, presumably learning how to walk and talk. As you do. But during the early years, we have just a general idea that he was probably well-treated and raised as a prince. Mm-hmm. It seems that he was raised with the children of other nobles, of the Macedonian elite, because, yes. you know, as yes. every Macedonian exactly. prince is, you want to know who the future nobility is going to be like. And it seems that, in general, he was considered more of a prince than a king, mm-hmm. because while Philip was absolving the symbolic roles of kingship, like he was sitting in the chair, wearing the regalia, yeah. signing important documents, looking that like sort the king. of thing. Yeah. We don't really get any reports of baby Alexander doing that. They're not dressing him up in a tiny diadem and a tiny <laughs> armor just to place his hand on documents. Honestly, fair. He's like a baby. Yeah, he's not even good as a figurehead at this point. He's no. just a child. So overall, the decisions are formally taken in the name of the kings, plural, but oh, okay. baby Alexander doesn't really do anything. He's officially king, but practically not really. Mm, Makes sense. So this takes us through several years. The baby grows into a big seven-year-old. Okay, further than I expected him to get, so, you know. Because we've had the whole transfer of power we saw last time, because Perdiccas, the first regent, is murdered. Then we have a second regent called Antipater in Macedon. The royal family is transferred all the way up to Macedon. Mm -hmm. There Antipater dies, and we come to the second civil war, the second war of the Diadochi. During the Second Civil War, we'll remember that there were two separate sides. One side with Polyperchon, who is the official regent, and Eumenes of Cardia, who is Alexander's secretary, who unsuspectedly is really good at fighting. Uh, oh, yeah! Yes, that's why I have his name written down. It was freaking cool. Yes. Very. And on the other side, we have Cassander, who was the son of the regent of Macedon, who wants to be mm-hmm. the regent. We have Antigonus, who's ruler of Anatolia, and Ptolemy, who's ruler of Egypt. A bunch of candidates, I see. Yes. So what happens is that originally Polyperchon tries to win, tries to fight for the kings, him together with Eumenes. They do some things, it seems to work out. But then Eurydice and Philip Aridaeus decide to side with the rebels. Yes. Because they see it as a chance to actually give Philip real power to make him actually rule as a king. Mm-hmm. And so they shift sides. Yeah, you told me about this, right? Last time. 
Yes. But in the meantime, they managed to gain Macedon, but this means that Roxana and baby Alex are in danger. Yep. So they run away off into Epirus with Grandma Olympias. And this is where we have the War of the Queens, because Ooh. if you remember, Olympias leads an army of Epirote soldiers yes. carrying her grandson with her. Eurydice leads an army of Macedonians with Philip, mm-hmm. and they come to a clash at the border. But unfortunately for poor Philip, all his soldiers desert him because they think that baby Alexander's a much better choice because Somehow. he's sort of future-proof. Because Philip doesn't have any children. He's been married a while. If yeah. he dies, Alex is the heir. So Alex is going to become king no matter what. Yeah. Better get on his good side early. That, yeah, that makes sense. Like, if you know for sure that this baby is going to become king, then might as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rather than just waiting and then have him angry yeah. 20 years later that you betrayed against him. him. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's like, okay, might as well support him while the going is good. Smart choice. So, great. Grandma Olympias kills Eurydice and Philip, and Alexander is the only king of this vast empire at the tender age of seven. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what did you Let's see accomplish? How he enjoys this until you were seven, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he was king at zero. I mean, what did you accomplish when you were newborn? <laughs> Come on, step up, newborns. <laughs> what his father doing all the conquering and and fighting? Oh no, I just you know that doesn't. It's not relevant. Nah, it's fine. It's okay. Baby Alexander is a self-made toddler. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the situation doesn't have much time to stabilize because Cassander, who supported Philip and was in Greece at the time, mm. looks north and sees, oh no, my pet king is dead. Oh, oh What whoops. do I do? This is terrible. <laughs> I have mission. no legitimacy ah. now. So he rushes up north to try and be able to at least capture baby Alexander so he can be formal regent. Mm-hmm. So he marches up north, besieges Olympias and the rest of the royal family, in a city at the foot of Mount Olympus, which is quite fitting, fitting for right. the whole being a grandson of a god and son of a god sort of thing. And the name Olympias. Yeah. So he lays the siege and both Polyperchon, who was the supposed regent, mm. and the king of Epirus, who was relative of Olympias, try to break the siege and free the royal family, but nothing to be done. Mm-hmm. Olympias also tried to take a ship to evacuate the rest of the family to flee east to seek refuge at Eumenes' place. But a deserter told Cassander that, oh, look out for the ship. This is where the royal family is going to escape. Uh. And Cassander manages to block off the port, and there's no escape for anyone. Yeah, excellent. So in early 316, Cassander writes to Olympias, says, hey, listen, I'll save the life in you and your family if you just open the gates. Hmm. Well, Olympias is kind of out of options. She has Uh, nothing left to do. So she says, okay, I guess. I guess it's an option. (laughs) Yeah. And Cassandra's troops enter the city. And since he's a lying snake, he imprisons everyone of of the royal family. Of course. Also, Uh, incidentally, it's good to remember that Cassandra was one of the people accused of poisoning Alexander the Great. Oh, dude. This guy... We'll see. Hmm. Because at this point, he decides that Olympias is a dangerous woman. She's too powerful. She has friends in high places. Yes, Best she's to get cool. rid of her. 
Yeah, Damn. she's very cool. <laughs> so Cassander, he's not going to condemn her to death. He would never do anything so crass. I would never. Please. He gathers up all the relatives of the people whose relatives and friends had been killed by Olympias. Right. And organizes a show trial, allowing these people to shout and jeer as much as they want. Yeah. Fun. And, well, surprise, surprise, Olympias is condemned to death oh, for wow. her crimes. Who could have... Wow. I, I would have never yes. guessed. So Cassander sends his executioner to do it. The executioner goes into Olympias's room and sort of breaks down because he can't do it. He can't kill Alexander the Great's mom. Oh, like, come on, oh that's Al. true. <laughs> come on, Cassander. What are we doing? So Cassander has to rush around looking for some barbarians in his army and say, okay, you guys, you don't know who Alexander the Great is. Go kill this old woman. Yep. Wow. And yeah, Justin tells us that Olympias went to her death bravely and with dignity. And when the fatal blow was struck, she combed her hair and covered her feet so she could die as a queen. Wow. Okay. So Grandma Olympias is gone. Sorry, Grandma. Yeah. She was cool, but hey. Mm. So the puppet master is looking for another puppet. Yes. So, at this point, Alexander and Roxana are imprisoned by Cassander. Mm -hmm. And Cassander declares himself as regent, because, hey, I have the king. Does anyone else have a king? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I guess that's one flavor of regency, right? Like, that's yeah. one flavor of, I have, like, I literally possess the king. He's in my dungeons, <laughs> in, my, in my jail. Yeah, pretty much. So, I guess uh, I, I am the one ruling now. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes. On his behalf? Oh, sure, sure. Now. Just... Uh... We'll, we'll work out the details later. It's He's okay. still too don't, young. Don't we'll just, look you too know. close. Yeah, it's okay. And also, Cassander decides to marry Alexander the Great's sister, Thessalonica. Oh, she's thrilled. Which the city of Thessaloniki in Greece, I think it is. Yes, it's in Greece now. <laughs> Yes, so he's gaining a lot of legitimacy points through marriage and imprisonment. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much legitimacy that gives you. The fact that, like, you know, you're imprisoning <laughs> the people. But uh, I guess some sort of... Yeah, more legitimate than anyone else, at least. Let's call it leverage. Yeah. And also, Diodorus tells us that... the Imagine this poor seven-year-old child. <laughs> he's now separated from all the young nobles his age that he was being raised with. All the children he knew from childhood from oh, his birth, friends essentially yeah. and they're all sent away and he is educated as a private citizen in house arrest Oof. and he can't see all of the other children he's grown up with he doesn't know why this is happening his grandma was executed and he has only limited access to see his mother oh god that's great so yeah it's not ideal <laughs> poor boy what a poor child so this ends the civil war in the west but in the East, Humanes is still fighting for baby Alexander. Oh, hooray! Humanes, the secretary, that's, that's you can do this. Great. Where? What are you doing over there? He's over here. Yeah, yeah. he's trying to fight his way back, but it's difficult. Mm. Because Humanes is fighting with Antigonus, the successor who was in charge of Anatolia, essentially. Right. And he was being pushed slightly further east. So Humanes was... Sort of flat-footed, he saw that the situation in the West was dangerous, he mm -hmm. wouldn't be getting any support from there, so he decides, I'm going to head further east and gather support from all the eastern satrapies mm -hmm. and join up for a big battle. Right. So Eumenes goes to the east and arrives at the city of Babylon. And there he asks the satrap of the city, uh, called Seleucus, mm -hmm. 
and he says, hey, listen, I have a letter here from King Philip that says I should be in charge of his armies to control Asia. So please open your gates to me and give me your soldiers and help me with the war. Is this an actual, like, proper letter? Or is this a forgery? He did actually get a letter from Philip, yes. Philip signed a letter to Eumini saying, hey, take Asia for me. He's not lying about this, okay. No, no, he's fully legitimate in his position. But the problem is that at the same time, Seleucus receives news that A, King Philip is dead. Oops. <laughs> Whoopsie. And B, Olympias, who was supporting Eumenes, was the one that killed Philip. Aha. Uh-huh. So Seleucus thinks, wait, your side just killed the king. Why are you claiming to be the legitimate side? I'm not letting you in. Yeah, uh, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> So Seleucus sides with Antigonus against Eumenes, saying, okay, well, clearly you're in the wrong, aren't you? But Eumenes manages to find a side road, goes around Babylon, and heads off to Susa. Okay. One of the old Achaemenid capitals, where he gathers some of that remaining massive amount of Achaemenid treasure. Yep, yep, we have that still. True. Yep. And he gains support from all the eastern satraps, saying, okay, come on, guys, let's do this. Crush the western satraps and rescue the king and these people are like i guess we need some kind of stable government so sure sort of please but the problem is that if you remember all these macedonians are very xenophobic mm-hmm. and eumenes is a greek he's not macedonian right so diodorus tells us that to avoid breaking up his forces to avoid everybody arguing with him eumenes set up a royal tent with a throne in it for Alexander the Great. Oh. So they have this empty throne around which they make all discussions. They make sacrifices to the god Alexander. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, fair. He did try to make himself perceived as a god. But like, yeah. this is so ridiculous to me. Just like these <laughs> men is. being like, okay, let's just let's make a sacrifice to god Alexander. Because I don't know what else to do anymore to get you guys <laughs> to agree on something. Yeah, so at least Eumenes is saying, oh, it's not me telling you to do this. It's the god Alexander. Look at the empty chair. It's there. Come on, guys. Please do what I say. It's a life or death situation. It is. It is. That's the worst part. Yeah. Also, Eumenes does decide to forge a letter at this point, and he forges a letter from Macedonia saying, oh, actually, Olympias is now in control of baby Alexander, and she's in charge. Cassander, the usurper, has been killed. Things are going great in the West. We just need to fix everything. Uh, yeah, that's... You just need to fix the rest of this circus. But. <laughs> so that's a convincing forgery, but as soon as somebody gets other news, it falls yep. apart. Yeah. Well, let's hope news don't get there very fast. Pretty much. Although I would assume they've already been there, because like, if he has to forge this, he knows what has actually yeah. happened. Eumenes so. definitely knows. He's just trying to make sure that nobody else does, at least long enough that he can win some battles right, and right, right. get ahead. Mm-hmm. So Antigonus arrives in the east and faces Eumenes in battle. They have one first battle where it looks like Eumenes has a mild victory, but he doesn't manage to destroy Antigonus's forces. You know, it's close. He manages to hold the field, but it's nothing too impressive. Mm-hmm. And so they fight each other in a second larger battle, which is, again, very mixed because on the one side, Eumenes' forces defeat most of Antigonus's army. Most of Antigonus's army is running away. Eumenes is victorious. He has the field. But unfortunately for him, Antigonus's cavalry had managed to wheel around Eumenes' side and capture his camp. 
And so by the time night falls, Eumenes doesn't have his encampment, and all the families of his soldiers are in the hands of Antigonus. Mm-hmm. So all his soldiers are concerned. They're saying, okay, what's going to happen to our families? Right. And does uh, anybody know? This is a bad situation. Eumenes solved this. And Eumenes is telling everybody, no, 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 guys, come on. Just tomorrow morning we'll beat them. Their army is destroyed. They won't dare do anything or we'll kill them all. Just hold on. Uh-huh. So in January of 315, Eumenes is rudely awoken by his men who have decided to mutiny right. and hand him over to Antigonus. I was rooting for Eumenes, though. I like him. I was, too. He would have made <laughs> a good monarch. so much better. Yeah, he's the sort of person who would have been a good regent. He would have right? been, okay, yes, yeah. I'm going to help you. And then at the end, it's like, okay, cool. Job well done. I'll retire now. Bye. I guess too good to actually do it. Yeah, he was. I'm not saying he was a nice person. Earth. I'm not saying he was a nice person. He probably wasn't. He probably murdered a bunch of people. But you know, I mean, he's a general. He yeah, had to exactly. But, yeah. but you know, from what we have, <laughs> it would have been good. He's the guy to that always him. sided with the side that had the kings and was always just trying to yeah, do just the correct, like thing actually do the good the... thing for the empire, right? Yeah, he's better than Alexander in that regard. Oh, but, definitely. Yeah. Much better. <laughs> but yeah, so poor Eumenes is handed over to Antigonus, who, of course, has him executed. Oh, no. And civil oh. war over. Hooray. Is it? Because we don't... I, I mean... Now what? <laughs> yep. Because in the West, we have baby Alexander, who nobody has seen for a few months who is under the control of Cassander, who is now self-styled himself the regent. Mm -hmm. In the south, we have Ptolemy owning Egypt. Ptolemy the Ptolemy? Ptolemy the Ptolemy, Ooh. yes, him. I see. <laughs> and in Asia, pretty much all of Asia, there's Antigonus, because he's basically just conquered his way east, so he controls most of the Asian territories. Do we have uh, Iranian in the... Persian part of the empire, or is it just Greeks and Macedonians? Just Greeks and Macedonians. Ah, I see. Great. I mean, well, we'll next episode. Okay, fine. <laughs> there is somebody who is who qualifies as Iranian in the east, but they're not important yet. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I shall stay tuned. So yes, but at this point, all the different successors decide. Okay, well, let's make a new deal. Mm -hmm. They're kind of concerned that, well, Antigonus owns most of Asia. Maybe we should tone it down, Antigonus. <laughs> How about we have a council together, we all decide together what to do, and we see who's the regent, we redistribute the satrapies, like the good old days. Right, we share, like, the good, generous people that we are, and just, uh, yeah, of you know, we divide the empire just so it's it doesn't fall apart, you know, so it's easier to run, and everyone yeah, can take of care of more or less the same amount of, of things, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That always works. You know, uh -huh. a triumvirate is the best form of government. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> so they send some letters back and forth, try to discuss things, but it seems that Antigonus is acting a lot as a king in the East, because he's replacing satraps that disagree with him, executing other satraps. Mm -hmm. When Antigonus goes to Babylon, he almost kills the satrap Seleucus there, who decides to run away before he is killed, and he escapes to Ptolemy. Mm. And he says, 
Ptolemy, things are hell, bad in the dude? east. Can you help? I would like my satrapy back, please. Right. And so Ptolemy and Cassander and Lysimachus, who is the satrap of Thrace, and is becoming important now, these three send an ultimatum to Antigonus. And they say, hey, listen, give up all your conquests in the east, go back to your original satrapy, redistribute all the money you've taken from Eumenes, and then we can decide who's the regent. How does that sound? Mm, lot of demands. That's a lot yes. of demands. Antigonus looks at the map, says, What are you saying? I own most of the empire. Come at me, scrubs. Yep, <laughs> exactly. It's like, hey, let's just, like, let's make you not that powerful. And then the powerful like, person hmm. looks over and says, Try me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Antigonus sends a letter to all the empire and says, You guys are trying to follow Cassander? Cassander, who killed Alexander's mom and has imprisoned Alexander's child and wife? Ah, yes. That guy. Mm. You're supporting him. Also, he probably forced Alexander the Great's sister to marry him so he could become king and overthrow baby Alexander. So let's not be so high and mighty. Actually, he writes, Cassander should hand over the royal family and Antigonus will take care of them and be the true regent. Of course, Cassander does not reply. <laughs> so off we are with the Third Civil War. The hey, Third War of the Diadoko. Third Civil War in six years. So at this point, these are the sides that we have. Antigonus is allied with the former regent, Polyperchon, who basically hands over his regency to Antigonus as a symbolic gesture. Mm-hmm. Now on the other side, we have Cassander in Macedon, Lysimachus in Thrace, and Ptolemy in Egypt. And the problem is that there are now two fronts that Antigonus needs to fight on. This is always the problem with the side that controls Asia. Yep, yep, yep. Because on the one hand, he has to fight in Europe. On the other hand, he has to fight Egypt. So he decides, you know what? First plan, Antigonus goes in, takes Syria and Palestine, and marches all the way up to the edge of Egypt, Hmm. conquering Gaza as well. Right. But there's just one city left that he didn't manage to take. Tyre, the one that Alexander destroyed. They've rebuilt it. Oh, okay. So it's back. Hey. Yay. And it's back and it's really hard to take again. Well, yeah, that was the one that, like, Alexander destroyed it because he was frustrated that it was difficult to take. Right, yeah. So when he finally did, he was like, there will be nothing left. (laughs) Pretty much. But people have gone back because it's a good fort and we've been at war for most of our lives. Yeah, worth so worth maybe you should rebuilding. use it. Yeah. So now Antigonus gets to the edge of Egypt, but he feels uncomfortable that the city is in his back and could cut off his supply lines, mm. cause him some danger. So he decides, okay, I'm not going to invade Egypt. Let's go capture the city and see what happens. So finally, Antigonus manages to take Tyre. And he could go to Egypt or he could go to Macedon. But he decides that, you know what, first priority is take baby Alexander, take the king, become the official regent, and take the homeland back. So he constructs a massive fleet that he can use to isolate Ptolemy on one side so he can't support his allies, and on the other side, help him take Macedon and cross into Europe. Mm -hmm. So this starts worrying part of the rebels because, or 
I mean, it's kind of difficult to understand who's a rebel and who's legitimate at this point. Everybody. Yeah, well, like, why are we calling them? Why, like, eh. brave of you to the, try. The little people. The little people versus the big person. Right. So Cassander and Lysimachus, who are in Europe, now start to get worried and begin writing letters to Antigonus saying, hey, maybe we can strike a deal. Could we not end our lives terribly? Yeah. But in the meantime, Ptolemy starts to worry that, well, yeah. if his allies in Europe are destroyed, he's next. So we might as well have to fight back. Yeah, about time to join. Yeah, so he starts to march north out of Egypt, tries to retake Syria, which is under the control of Antigonus's son, Demetrius. And the two sides meet at Gaza, just outside Egypt. Mm -hmm. And there's a great clash between the young Demetrius, who is in his late teens, early 20s, not sure exactly which, but he's a very young man, and the experienced Ptolemy who fought with Alexander on the Great Expedition. And as you could expect, Ptolemy manages to succeed. Demetrius is pushed back, and Antigonus's forces are forced to retreat. Right. At the same time, the former satrap of Babylon, Seleucus, manages to take a thousand men and just speed off into the desert to try and retake Babylon from behind Antigonus's back. Huh. Okay. So, everything is going so-so. Because Antigonus has suffered some defeats, but also some victories... It's messy. And when Antigonus hears that his son was defeated against Ptolemy, he stops his invasion of Europe and marches back down towards Egypt to push Ptolemy back. But at this point, it's late 311, and Antigonus sees that it's kind of a mess. Oh, now? Now yes. he's like, oh, hmm, maybe this is too much. <laughs> Teeny bit. Yeah, he decides that he can't just fight both sides at the same time. It's too complicated if you wins one place he'll be defeated the other he doesn't have the resources to fight everyone at the same time mm -hmm. and also now seleucus was taking control of babylon and trying to cut him off from the east so that was more pressing an issue since seleucus was not officially part of the alliance let's call it alliance sure yes the rebel alliance <laughs> so at this point antigonus decides to accept cassander and lysimachus's calls for peace and Ptolemy gets in on this deal as soon as he can, as soon as he hears it exists. Yep. And so in this piece, we decide that, you know what? Everybody is fine in the positions they had before this third civil war. Oh my god. Let's pretend nothing happened, okay? Just, that, I, okay? I just, I, it's fine. <laughs> you know what? Fine. And they all tell each other in the note, they say, well, you know, baby Alexander, he's 12. He can technically become king in his own right in two years. Ooh. Because 14 is when Macedonian nobles could become pages and start, you know, helping out in mm -hmm. the army. So, you know, well, let's get rid of all the problems. Makes baby Alex king. There we go. Oh, my God. So all of this was just... I, I, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, they decided. Sure, a lot of people died, but eh. We're tired now. Let's pretend nothing happens. It's okay. So, great news. We have hey. peace at last. And goes to retrieve baby Alex from the jail. <laughs> it's, hey, baby Alex. Guess what? Well, yes. Two years pass and, well, members of the nobility starts to call for baby Alex to be instated as the king of the whole empire. He's 14 now. He can oh, wow. ostensibly rule. Sure, he'll have advisors, but he doesn't need a regent anymore. 
So how's this kid, you know, who's been like imprisoned and has had family murdered and separated from everyone and everything? Uh, yeah. An uncertain future, not knowing if he will be killed or not. Like, how is how is he doing? <laughs> well, we don't have any details on how he's doing mentally and emotionally, but probably that's, not great. That's bad news. So Cassander, formerly regent, now satrap of Macedon, mm. he has a think. This guy. He thinks, is Alex going to be happy when he's made king? And I killed his grandmother. <laughs> and according to rumor, killed his father and kept him imprisoned for seven years. You know. Hmm. Those things. I don't think you'll like me very much. Oh. Whatever makes you think so, Cassander. <laughs> yeah. Also, I've been working for the last ten years to build up my strength in Macedon, and this kid has done nothing to ever gain anything, and he's going to be king, he's going to take the land I've fought so hard Do for. Do you know how monarchy works, my friend? <laughs> yeah, but it's a new world, you know. Who knows? Anything could happen. And, well, he's the last of his dynasty. If he dies... Who's the heir? Well, ooh, I guess whoever married Alexander the Great's sister will have to do. Oh my god, this guy. <laughs> yeah. So Cassander decides that, well, be a lot better if Alex never made it to his 14th birthday, wasn't oh, it? Oops. So, the man who killed Olympias was accused of supplying the poison that killed Alexander the Great, mm-hmm. extinguishes the Argiad House of Macedon, by poisoning the baby Alexander oh, no. and his mother Roxana. He does. He really does. Oh my god. We already had an agreement. Guys. <laughs> we've, we've finally. Wow. We, I just. You, please. Please. I know you want power. But like. Bruh. We're so done. Yeah. Power is so sweet though. Come on. It's like moths to a flame. Yeah, to the flame that will destroy you. So, how, so what do th- all the other important people say? Because I'm sure they will be really pissed. Actually, all the other successors keep dating their documents in the reign of King Alexander the Fourth. Ooh. They pretend he's still alive. They say, well, Ooh. oh no, you know, he's just a Macedon. We don't hear him. He's just sleeping. Yeah, he's just in a farm upstate. Don't worry. He's happy and playing with all the other kings. <laughs> yep. Having fun. Because they all reason that, listen, would I have given up power? Eh, you know, at least Cassander managed to take the blame. At least he's the bad guy. Yeah. And I'm practically a king now. But there are still those with the ambition to unify the empire and recreate it at last. Because Alexander's funeral games are not yet finished. Ah, they yes. will still play on for a few more years. That is the end of the episode on Alexander the Fourth. Oh dear, I uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like I honestly, he lived longer than I expected him to live, and also yeah. <laughs> somehow I'm really disappointed because they had already agreed on this, and like not because Alexander would be a good or a bad king, like he wouldn't make any decisions, but at least we had someone. Would you have know? been a king. Yes, yes we, which we is We haven't helpful. had a king ruling in his own right since Alexander the Great. Oh. It's been 
12 years with no king. No, not 12. It's been 14 years with no king, really. So there we go. And yeah, Serial, who do you think is the next episode? Just to gauge it. Cassander. Okay, we'll find out. I don't know. I, well, like, I don't know how things are going to go. Cassandra is certainly making the decisions, right? So. Mm-hmm. But he also, like, did he take the blame? Did people know it was him? Because then he might have been just I executed. I mean, he was the guy in charge of Alexander IV, and Alexander IV disappeared, so it's yeah. pretty hmm. clear. Okay, then maybe, then I don't know. Then I'm, uh, no, no. You'll find out next episode. Can't wait for Ptolemy to pop up, so. I mean, Ptolemy, that Ptolemy. He's already yeah. around, he's there, he's yeah, doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> And yeah, also incidentally, just after Alexander IV died is when the baby Heracles, who was supposedly Alexander's bastard yeah, yeah, yeah. son, shows up. So this is why uh, it's very, very suspicious. It is, of course not. You know, before he was never considered in any dealings. And now that Alex IV is dead, it's like, oh, oh, look, we actually have another son. It's okay, guys. Don't yep. worry. All right. So if you're ready, let's get to rating this yes. poor child. Oh. Okay, so our first category is final moments. How interesting was his death? Being poisoned at 14 after being imprisoned for seven years. Sad. Uh, yeah, I, it was impressive that it took that long. Um, <laughs> Fair. And then Cassandra just... Ugh. Yeah. Nobody likes Cassander. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't Even either. in the sources, everybody thinks he's terrible. <laughs> Well, then that might have a little bit to do with how we perceive him. But also, he does not have much going for him, so. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Eh, like a one. Uh, It was interesting. Maybe a two. Yeah, I guess it's not just fade into history. Yeah, Yeah. maybe a two. Uh, If you're going for two, I'll go for a one, because I don't think it's worth a full big two. So, there we go. So, with a one and a two... Alexander IV gets 1.5 points out of 10 for final moments. Next category is Battle Hardness. How good was he at wars, conquests, glorious victories? Zero. We didn't get to see it. Uh, do you want to give him any points no, for Yemenis fighting me. in his name? Say, say it with me. We did not get to see it. Zero. Um... Hmm. You don't want to give any points that for is not his for ba- Those are boy. not his battles. He was, but it was in his name. What? <laughs> no. Hmm. I want to give Humanese a VIP seat next to the ladies. Okay. Yes, Humanese gets a nice VIP seat next to Eurydice and Bagoas. Right. So, and Parasatis and... Yes, Parasatis and Megabizus. And the other lady. What's her name? Oh, Olympias. No. We had Parasatis 2.0 um, a couple episodes back. Who also got to discuss murder techniques with Parasites. I think it's Olympias. It might have been oh, Olympias. Yeah, no, yes, yes, it might have been Olympias. Sorry. Yes, so let's yes. also add Olympias in the VIP seats. Excellent. Very intensive area. Yes, it's great. Olympias, Eurydice, and Parasites can have discussions. Yes. Bit awkward for Olympias and Eurydice since one murdered the other, but hey. Well, you know, you get bested by people. That's fine. They can have a nice sporting discussion. Indeed. Uh, all right, fine. I'll guess a zero for battle hardness. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to even understand who the legitimate side is. No, you don't get any points, Alex. Sorry. 
So a zero and a zero make a zero out of 20 for battle hardness. Yeah, hooray. Next category is scheminess. How schemy was this child? Uh, zero? Uh, zero. He was just buffeted around by everyone else. And yep. It was a mess. Poor child. Okay. So zero and a zero. Zero out of 20 for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was this child? He survived. Yeah. Honestly, that, like, (laughs) one point for that. (laughs) Jip. Okay, so you're giving him one point. I'll stick with a zero because he's a child. Mm -hmm. So with a zero and a one, he gets a one out of 20 for shock factor, which is just above Uncle Philip. Good for you, Alex Four. It's a lot less than your dad. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, next category is Aaron Shine. How much did the Empire, and Persia in particular, prosper during Alexander IV's reign? Uh, listen, I, it hasn't crumbled yet. I, I, Let's uh, recap what happened under the baby Alexander. Well, one civil war ended, and he was imprisoned. Mm-hmm. So the king was held hostage. Mm-hmm. Another civil war started and ended without making any decisions except make Alex king at some point. Right. And then he was murdered, leaving no heir to the empire. Yay. Also, Iran is being ransacked. There are no prominent Iranian people being there. They're just forced to pay for these endless civil wars. So. We love it. Zero? Yeah, because we can't do negative numbers. Yeah. So with a zero and a zero, we get our fourth zero out of 20 in Aaron Shine in a row. This has not been a good period. The last well, person that got a good grade was Artaxerxes III back in the good old days. This has not been a good time for anyone. But like, who expected it to be a good time? Like, you, you're aware where we are right now, right? Like, yeah. We're in the flames of Alexander's funeral pyre. Everything is on fire. It is, I love that it's you keep terribly. mentioning Alexander's funeral games. Because truly, I... <laughs> yes. Oof. Yeah, to the strongest. We need to decide who the strongest is. Just, just, just... God damn, Alex. <laughs> Let's see how many episodes I have to utter this. Uh, at least one more. We'll uh, see. Great, great. Okay, <laughs> The dust needs to settle. Okay, so next category is face of faces. How do you think this child looked as king? Let's see what you think about it. So, Serial, you already have the drawing. Let me pick it up so I can have a look at Uh what... (laughs) Oh no! I think it's very accurate. It's good, but I feel so sad. (laughs) Hey, he made it to 14. Listen. Tears. <laughs> okay, so, dear listeners, what we have in this drawing is an adorable little baby with a tiny little single curl of hair on his head, big beady eyes full of hope in the future. Yep. He's swaddled up in nice robes, and he sort of, he has in his mouth, he's chewing on a little diadem. Yes. He's being all adorable at it and staring out at the viewer in hope. And all around this little child are a series of eyes staring at him from the darkness, knowing that they're just waiting for the moment to pounce before this poor, poor child is going to be done. <laughs> You're welcome. 
So that was excellent, and now I'm sad. Ah, uh, well, do we have any representations of this child? We do not have any contemporary depictions. I have I a figured. Baroque painting of Ooh. him. Uh, for some okay, reason. I don't know why. I love Baroque. This was the only thing I could find. Baroque artists just being like, ah, yes, let me dig into this uh, yes. niche part of this fandom. Yes. Also, Roxana looks extraordinarily German here, but let's go for it. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what people looked like. And, like, she was Iranian, right? Roxana? Yes. Yeah. So that's, yeah, of course, that's German, Iranian, same thing. Yeah, it's the same. Okay, so let me show it, Serial, and you can describe what this child looks like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. So there's three people in the painting. There's Roxana, I assume, to the left. Then the, yes. she's holding the baby. And then there's a man on the right. Uh, Couldn't find who this guy is. Some, some guy. Some random dude with a bit of a beard and a mustache. And Roxana has a very, like, Renaissance Greek kind of profile, right? Mm-hmm. And little baby Alex is touching her boob, <laughs> presumably because the guy is like saying something and Alex just wants to go back to drinking some milk from mama. So, you know. Fair enough. Alex looks very cute, curly hair and very, you know, chubby cheeks, kind of what you would expect a baby to look like. It's a fun this is painting. quite a good baby for yes. the past. It's not one of those strange medieval babies that look well, like old men. It's not supposed to be Jesus, so I think, you know, there's a reason why Fair. Jesus has a homunculus kind of situation going on when he's depicted as a baby. This is just a chubby, cute baby. So, there. Very nice. So, let's rate what this baby looks like. What are your thoughts on face of faces? I, it's a baby. It's very good. I'll give it two points, just because good painting. Uh, yeah. I like the scene. It's kind of, you know, it's good storytelling. Yeah, I think two points. It's a good painting. I like it. It's a good scene. It's cute. And uh, yeah, I think two is a, is a good point. Excellent. Glad we agree. Okay, so with a two and a two, we get a one out of five for Face of Faces. Aha. Uh -huh. Next category is lengthiness. How long did this child rule? Thirteen and a half years. Pretty much, yes. I rounded <laughs> up to 14. Because, yeah. Because he was born and became king in 323 BC and was murdered in 309 BC, which makes crisp 14 years. Dividing by 10, that's 1.4 out of 5 for lengthiness. Not that bad. Which leads us to the final score of 4.9 out of 100 for baby Alexander IV, our first child king, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is true. So there we go. And he's the second to last, just behind his uncle Philip. He's just one point behind him. Oh. Still a little bit there. That feels unfair. But Philip he's two should... points ahead of Xerxes the second, so <laughs> there we go. People are going to hate <laughs> us for this. I mean, Xerxes II is terrible. Come well, on. That's fair, that's fair. He's known from, like, one paragraph. Oh, but Alex is way more interesting. <laughs> yeah, if anything, by the circumstances. Yeah. Ah. All right. Excellent. But this leads us to a final question. Oh, come on. <laughs> is baby Alexander famous enough, glorious enough? Did he have a terrible life enough to be called a Shahan Shah? Or is he just a Shahan Nah? Nah, he's a Shahanna. He didn't really get to do anything. Yeah. I would love to read the alternative universe where he, like, gets to be king. Even if, you know, people oh, use him, fun. but, like, maybe the empire would stabilize a bit more. Maybe people wouldn't be 
Olympics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting to see if, if that were the case. I mean, imagine if Alexander the Great lived longer and baby Alexander was the half Iranian, half Macedonian yeah. heir to the whole empire. Yeah. That would be cool. That would have been That would amazing. have been a nice outcome. But if Alex actually no. had cared about the empire at all yeah. and not just about yeah, if battles. If he had burned it down earlier. Yeah. Yeah, he I was think not, if Alexander was the Great had king. lived longer, he probably would have been murdered anyway. Yes, at some point. indeed. It's not that he would have gone on to do great things. He no, would no, just no, 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 like no. He was the month again. After. He would have been a great general. He would have been an amazing, like a megabysis to a Darius or like a you know. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Just mm. Alexander the Unhinged. Anyway. Yeah. And I think Alexander IV's epithet, if anything, should be Alexander the, oh, honey, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, sweet summer child. Yeah. Like, oh, oof. That was a tough time. Hmm. Well, there we go. So that is the end of today's episode on Alexander IV, King of Kings, King of Macedon, Lord of all Asia. Sure, sure. And poor little child. Yep. So I hope you'll all join us next time for the mystery episode where we find out who gets to inherit the empire somehow. Oh, I'm excited. The part of it that contains Persia, which is what we're following in the podcast because of the name. So for those of you who don't know any history like myself, place your bets now. <laughs> we have many candidates. I have mentioned the person who's in the next episode, so yeah. feel free to guess. Excellent. And uh, yeah, so if you've enjoyed the episode so far, please leave us a review wherever you listen to us because that helps more people know that we exist and it's always nice to read some nice words from our listeners. And yeah, so I hope you just have a good week and you'll join us next time for the mystery episode. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening and see you next week. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.